welcome to the broadcast of Crosstown Church of Memphis. We are a church that is Christ-centered, diversity-driven, and community-committed. A church that's bringing people together, sharing God's message of hope, love, and service. We seek to love God, love people, and serve the city. We welcome you to our broadcast with Pastor Byron Fitzpatrick. And so we are looking at God's word and we're examining it to make sure that we have a better understanding and appreciation for it. Our text scripture that's been driving us comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter four and verse 12. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharpened than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, um, exposing, it exposes our inner thoughts and our uh, uh, desires. The apostle Paul, he's reminding us that this is not just a good book. This is not a, a story of tales. It's not fairy tales. It's not just entertainment, but this book is alive and it is powerful. It has the power to transform lives. I am a living witness of that. It was this book that transformed my life. When I really got to a place where I felt like, okay, it's time for me to grow up and time for me to be a man. It's time for me to begin to take my life serious and uh, find out the purpose and the meaning for my life other than just living from day to day doing this and that. I, I, I turned to the book itself. I turned to the book and I began to read it. I began to study it. And when I did, it actually transformed my life. So I'm a living witness that what the, what the Apostle Paul is saying. This book is alive and it is powerful. Last week, we talked about the history of the Bible and the sacrifices that so many people paid for us to have the access to the Bible that we have today. There used to be a time where people didn't have the access. Um, it wasn't as accessible as it is today. People were trying to suppress it throughout history. They've continued to try to suppress it throughout history. Even today, there's an attempt to suppress it. Some of you guys remember last week, I believe it was, there was, Supreme Court, there was a Supreme Court ruling uh, done on, uh, uh, there was a case brought against a, a coach, a high school football coach, where he was banned from praying on the field. And um, uh, that, it went all the way to the United States Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled in his favor, said the schools cannot stop him from standing on the field or kneeling on the field after a game or before a game, not during the game, but before or after the game. They can't stop him from praying. And so that was his freedom of religion, one of the foundations of this country. And so even today, they try to suppress the Bible in schools and suppress the Bible in the workplaces. And I remember one time I used to work for the state of Iowa and I got reprimanded because during my break, during my break, I was sitting and reading my Bible. And they tried, they, they told me that I could not have my Bible out and open in the workplace like that. I said, you mean to tell me, this is the honest God truth. I said, you mean to tell me, this, this was one guy, he had a, a couple of cubicles uh, 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 kind of close to mine. And he had all these muscle magazines in his in his at his desk. He would sit at his desk all the time looking at these muscle magazines. And y'all know muscle magazines, they have people in their half naked, all these bodybuilders, men and women with no clothes on. He's just sitting there and having to look at these magazines, looking at all the women. I knew what he was doing. Okay. 
I said, you mean to tell me that dude can sit over there and that and, and he got a stack of muscle magazines with half naked women in no in, in over there in his desk. And he sit there and look at them all the time. And y'all be looking at him and I can't sit here and read my Bible. I said, y'all crazy. Get out of my face. And so there even today, there's still an attempt to to suppress the access of the Bible. We have access to God's word, to the Bible, like never before in all of history, you know, but today, you know, uh, 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 we're going to be. So that's what we talked about, you know, you know the, the, the accessibility of the Bible. And again, last week we talked about, you know, um, uh, uh, we talked about the reliability of the Bible and so forth. Or actually, today we're going to be talking about the reliability of the Bible. Last week, we talked about the history of the Bible and the price that so many people paid in order for us to have the access that we have today. So today we're going to be talking about, again, we're talking about the reliability of the Bible. So if you are taking notes, again, the subtitle for today is Reliable or Not. One of the reasons that a lot of people don't read and don't read or study the Bible is because they don't think it's really reliable, you know, especially today, because it's been translated so many times over and over again in so many different languages and so many different forms and whatever, whatever people have a hard time trying to figure out, man, which one is reliable. So, so many people don't read it and so many people don't study it because they really don't know how reliable it is. So let's do a poll. Let's do a poll here today. Um, all of you, I want you to go into your chats. Okay, go into your chat section here. We're going to do a poll. All right. How reliable do you think the Bible is from one to 10? And I'm, I'm going to come back to that later on uh, throughout the message or throughout service today. I'm going to come back to it. Okay. And we're going to look at some of the, some of the uh, uh, answers that you guys gave. So one to 10, one being, you know, the worst, 10 being the best. I want you to rate, rate. How reliable do you think the Bible is? All right. And be honest about it. OK. Um, so put that in there. One to ten. One being the worst. Ten being, you know, the best. How reliable you think it is. All right. So here's the thing I want us to understand about reliability. You know, if something is reliable. OK. And maybe this might what I'm about to say now might influence how you rate the Bible. Uh, it's reliability. And that is something or someone is reliable if it or they are consistently good in quality or performance. All right. I'm going to say that one more time. Something or someone that is consistently re reliable uh, or consistently good in their quality and their performance. So when you think about the Bible, how consistent is it in being good in your life or lives of others? How consistent is it being, you know, the quality and the performance of the Bible good, all right? Here's another thing about reliability. If something or someone is reliable, that means it is trustworthy. So how trustworthy do you think the Bible is in your life, amen? So again, rate that from one to 10, how reliable you think the Bible is, all right? So if people don't read or study the Bible because they don't know how reliable it is or they don't think that it's reliable, then they don't think that it's consistently good or that it performs well. They don't think that 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 is trustworthy. They don't think that it really works. You know, they think that it's a good book, but they don't really know that it actually works. They, they, they don't know if they can trust that it actually works or they don't know that they can trust that the translation of it is good. They don't really know that they can trust the trans the translation of it or whatever. OK, so. Before I dig too deep into, 
you know, into this part right here. What I want to do is I want us to take a look at uh, scripture, our scripture for today. Our scripture for today is coming from the book. For those of you that are taking notes, coming from the book, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. And it says this. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach uh, teach us what is true and to help us to realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us uh, to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do what? To do every good work. <clears throat> God uses his word. He uses the Bible to prepare us and to equip us for every good work. It says in the beginning, in the, in the beginning, there, it says all scripture, scripture is what inspired by God. It's not written by God. You know, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. A lot of people say that they don't read the Bible because it was written by man. Well, what book wasn't written by man? Every single book that we have and that has existed was written by man. There's only one thing that there that history records that was actually written by God, and that's the Ten Commandments on them stone placed in the side, the side of Mount Sinai that he carved out and he gave to Moses. That's the only record in all of human history of anything ever been written by God or, or by anyone else. Okay, well, you know, they got those uh, crop things that be out there that they say aliens been writing in the ground and stuff like that. Y'all seen that, you know, crop circles and stuff like that. So maybe that's something else other than man that's been written, but uh, none of that has actually been proven yet. Okay, but here's the deal. <laughs> All scripture is inspired by God. Man writes them. Man has man writes everything that we read. And all the scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to help us to realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us, um, teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Yeah. You know, my, my favorite Bibles, uh, there's two favorite Bibles that I like to use. And um, those two favorite Bibles that I like to use, the first one is the New Living Translation. And the second one is the King James Version. Um, I have to say that the King James Version is probably my number one Bible. It's probably number one on my list. But the one that I use to study with the most is the New Living Translation. So let me put it down. King James is my favorite, but the New, New Living Translation is the one that I use to study with. All right. What I do with those two Bibles uh, is I, I, I cross-reference them. So I study with the New, New Living Translation, but if there's something in there, what I, what I would do is I would look at, like I told you guys a couple of weeks ago, when it comes to you know, uh, 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 understanding God's word or trusting God's word, God, we're very smart. We're very intelligent people. We, can, we know when yeah. something's wrong. We know when one plus one don't equals two. You know, we, we're not stupid people, okay? So when we read something, we see something, we're like, wait a minute, that don't quite make sense. Then that pushes us, it should push us to do what? Further studying, further investigation, further deep and digger. So when uh, digging deeper. So what I do is I study with the New Living Translation, but then I use the King James Version to cross-reference it. And if, if still, if they're not matching up in some type of way, then I'll go look in other places too to try to confirm or to uh, refute what I'm reading in one, one or the other of those Bibles, okay? <clears throat> so I'm gonna give you guys some facts about the Bible real quickly. Give you some facts, facts 
about the Bible. So this is a did you know segment every now and then in our service. I haven't done one in a long time. I need to start back doing those. But I do these did did you know segments. So so today here's a did you know segment. Give you some facts about the Bible. The Bible is the best selling book in all of history. I think most of us probably know that already uh, or, or don't have a hard time believing it. But it is it is still standing today. The best selling book in all of history. Here's something else about the Bible. It is the most shoplifted book in all of history as well. <laughs> Go figure. It's the best-selling book in all of history, but it's also the most shoplifted book in all of history. Go figure that. Wow. It, it's actually 66 different books wrapped up into one. 66 different books all combined together into one book, which we call, quote unquote, the Holy Bible, right? Um, it would take the average person 77 hours to read it in one sitting. 77 hours. How many days is that? That's four days. Yeah, I think that's like four days. So uh, in one whole sitting, that means nonstop 77 hours. OK, it's written by all sorts of different people, not just written by one people, but it's written by all different sorts of people, different sorts of people. It was written by politicians. It was written by farmers, written by shepherds, written by poor people musicians, poets, and even tax collectors. These are just a few of the type of different people that the Bible was written by. The Bible was also written from all different sorts of places. The Bible was written by Moses when he was in the wilderness. It was written by Jeremiah when he was in a dungeon, locked up in in, in a prison. It was written by Luke while he was traveling, by Paul while he was in prison. You know, several people was writing, several people wrote while they was in prison, locked up <clears throat> for doing what? Doing God's work. And they began to write. That's what we get something. It was written by John while he was in exile, kicked out of Israel. And, uh, and, and, and he wrote, all right, all different sorts of people, all different uh, places, different situations. It was written by, it was written from 13 different countries. Different Bibles, different books in the Bible, different pieces of the Bibles written from 13 different countries and three different continents. The different continents that these all these countries combined were on Asia, Africa and Europe, uh, different ones in different places during their travels or whatever like that. They were writing Asia, Africa and Europe is uh, the three continents that it was written on. It was written in three different languages. I told you guys. Uh, uh, before that it was written in the Hebrew and the Greek. It was also written in Aramaic, all right? Um, so Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. In other words, the oldest understanding, the oldest recording uh, uh, teachings and so forth, these are the three languages that they were written in. Um, um, it was also written uh, over a span of 1,500 years, all right? Over a span of 1,500 years was the Bible uh, written. So, um, so here's what's amazing, all right? We got all these different people, okay? All these different places under so many different circumstances. Here's the thing that's amazing about the Bible. It continues to be accurate and consistent in relaying God's character, in relaying God's nature, and relaying God's plan for mankind. All those different languages, all those different, uh, 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 you know, those three different languages, oh, 13 countries, three continents, many different people over a span of 15 years, it's continually been accurate and consistent 
in describing God's character, his nature, and his plan for mankind. You mean to tell me all these different people from all over the place are still writing the same consistency when it comes to who God is. The Bible is the word of God. Not only is it consistent, but it speaks of many different topics. I want y'all to put your seatbelts on right here. And I want y'all guys to, if you're taking notes, uh, you might have to just uh, go back and listen to this because I'm going to give you, here's the different topics that it speaks about. How many books do you know that speaks on so many different topics like this? All right. It speaks on everything from marriage to divorce, to remarriage, adultery, sex, lust, greed, guilt, materialism, generosity, healing, hope, forgiveness, parenting, prayer, friendship, pride, obedience, heaven, hell, lying, murder, suicide, rape, fear, doubt, miracles, love, hate. Let me take a breather here. All right. These are just some of the topics. Money, criticism, (laughs) creation, government, submission, rebellion, peace, leadership, joy, discontentment, contentment, sacrifice, uh, uh, delayed gratification, patience, faithfulness, uh, enjoying life, self-control, disasters, injustices, demons, angels, discipleship, disciplines, fasting, honor, mercy, caring for the poor, handling wealth and family. I'm sure I left out a few things too. <laughs> it talks about all of those, all those different topics. You can find them in the Bible. It's like almost everything you can possibly think of and imagine in life that we have to deal with. You can find something about it in the Bible somewhere. <clears throat> Ain't too many books that, that, that you can do that, y'all. Ain't too many books like that. So let's talk about the reliability of the Bible. Again, our subtitle for today is Reliable or Not. So let's really dig, start to dig into this reliability thing. How reliable is the Bible? I see a couple of you all have put some, uh, uh, joined us in the, in, in the chat right here. Uh, somebody gave me a seven, okay? All right. So if you want to, again, we're trying to do a poll here to see what you guys think about how reliable you think the Bible is. All right. So don't be scared. Don't be, don't get in there and tell us. All right. Reliability of the Bible. Okay. So let's talk about this. There is this thing that's called for you, for those of you just taking notes, there's this thing that's called, uh, 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 wait a minute, before I say that. So we're going to ask these questions in trying to understand the reliability of the Bible. We're going to ask these questions. One of the questions we're going to ask is, is the Bible trustworthy? Can, is it something that we can really trust? You know, uh, is it true? You know, we might be able to trust it because it has some good moral teachings in it. It has some good life teachings and good teachings in there. But so we might be able to trust it. But is it true? Sometimes we discount the reliability of it because eh, there's some good stuff in there, but it ain't true. You know what I mean? Or it's is it accurate? We question its accuracy. So we want to know, is it trustworthy? Is it true? And is it accurate? All right. So let's break this thing down. Or, uh, or, or here's another. Or is it just people's opinions and a, of, a, of a bunch of different people? It's just a bunch of opinions of a bunch of different people. Okay. All right. So there's this thing called a bibliographical, bibliographical test. I, I, I can't. Marguerite, what do you pronounce that word? Say that for me. I think it's called bibliography. No, bibliographical. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you wrote. I don't think it's that's how you how say to it. Spell it. Bibliographical. Bibliographical test. Okay. 
What it does, it tests the authenticity of, of, of historical writings. That's what it does. There's this test and it tests things. It asks some questions <laughs> to help to determine the authenticity of historical writings. The first test is known as this. The first test is it's three part. It's a three part test. All right. In order to determine if if historical writings are true, if historical writings are authentic. Test number one is this. Part number one in this test is called the internal test. All right. The internal test. The internal test asks a question. It asks a few questions. Here's one of the questions. It says, do the writers claim that their writings are true? That's number one. Or do they say that it's fiction and it's meant for inspiration, encouragement, education, entertainment, et cetera? So this is what the first test, the internal test is to determine or, uh, you know, look at the authors and say, are, are the authors claiming that this is a true story or are they saying that, no, it's not, it's, it's, it's a fictional story, but hey, it helped. It, it, it benefits us in life. Okay. Uh, so that's what we want to know. Does the writers say I was there? I saw it. That's what we want to determine. Okay. In the book of uh, uh, second Peter chapter one verse 16. Peter says something unique. He says something special. All right. <clears throat> this is, you know, I don't have, a, you know, people say they got a bunch of, uh, they got favorite scriptures and what have you. I don't have, you know, uh, I, I haven't determined yet, you know, say that what's my favorite scripture, but I got some scriptures that I really like. This is one of the scriptures that I have liked ever since the first time I read it. All right. I, I like it. I don't, I don't know where I rank it at, but I like it. Okay. First, second Peter chapter one, verse 16 says this. Peter says, he says, for we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. Peter is saying, he said, I was there. I saw this with my own eyes. I spent time with the man. I broke bread with the man. I was right there when he went with him when he walked on water. He said, he called me. I walked on water with him. He said, I, I was there. He said, I chopped the man's ear off and I saw Jesus put it back, put it, pick it back up and put it back on. It was healed just like it never been chopped off before. Peter said, I was there. I was there when he turned the water into wine. I saw with my own eyes. I took them jugs and I began to pour some in some glasses and give it to people and spread it around. I was there when he turned the two fish into five loaves. I saw it. I helped, I helped pass out bread and fish. He said, I was there. This is not clever stories. This is, this is not club. He said this, he said, I was there. I saw his power. I experienced his power firsthand with my own eyes. He said, I even participated. <clears throat> I participated. Peter is saying, this is true. This is not fictional. The things that I'm writing down to you, the things that I am telling you are not secondhand information. These are firsthand accounts. One thing that we know about the writings of the Bible is they, that they have been recorded and proven to be real people, not just fictional characters. Peter, uh, Matthew, uh, John, Luke, no, I mean, Jesus Christ, Abraham. Let's go. Let's go. Let's start with Abraham. Abraham has proven to be a true person. Uh, uh, Isaac, Jacob, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, King, uh, John. King John, uh, Saul, David, uh, 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 I mean, 
You go down, Daniel, a lot of these people, they have been proven and recorded in history as being real people. People don't refute Jesus. I mean, the Jews say, yeah, he was a real man, but he was a false prophet. The Muslim says, yeah, he was a man. He was a real man. And guess what? The Muslims regard Jesus as probably the, they say, the, 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 the best prophet ever. Not Muhammad. They call Muhammad the last prophet, not the best. They regard Jesus as being the best prophet ever. That's why they hold his uh, Mary in such high regards. There's more writings about Mary in the Bible than there is about Jesus in, in, in the uh, Quran. There's more writings about Mary in the Quran than there is about Jesus and about Muhammad. Okay, Jesus is not, they don't refute Jesus too much. Okay, now you got a whole bunch of non-believers that do. Okay. But it's been recorded in history that a lot of these people in the Bible are true people. They were real people. OK, the New Testament was written between 47 and 95 A.D. OK, that's when the New Testament was written, not the Old Testament, but the New Testament. It was written between 40. Uh, so that was 47 years after the birth of Christ. Jesus died when he was, what, 33 years old. Uh, Jesus died when he was 33 years old. So a few years after he passed away, they started taking their writings, the disciples. And some others start taking those writings and putting them down and writing them on scrolls and, and, and uh, parchment. They call it parchment, which was animal skin and old paper. You know, before they actually start making paper, they would use animal skin and they would write on animal skin and they would roll them up into these scrolls. All right. So uh, a few years after Jesus died, they start writing the New Testament, the disciples and so forth. So there were plenty. There were plenty of firsthand accounts. There were plenty of firsthand generation uh, Christians, first generation Christians that wrote this, began to write the New Testament. All them, all these people around firsthand. But here's the thing. So they can account for what Peter was saying. This is not this is firsthand information, guys. We're not telling you clever stories. This stuff is true. We saw it with our own eyes. None of them, nobody really refuted it. I mean, people, people might have said, you know, they, they didn't accept it. You know what I'm saying? They didn't accept certain things, but they didn't, they wasn't refuting that it was true or not true in the sense of, you know, uh, oh, Jesus wasn't, a, there's no such person as Jesus. Yeah, it was. Uh, 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 the earthquake didn't happen when they crucified him on the cross. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it was like, yeah, yeah. it sure did. When they hung that man on the cross, yeah, the, the, the whole sky went dark. I mean, but but they try to say, you know, some people might try to say, oh, that was because it was just a, a freak of nature, the thing that this happened, you know. So my point is that a lot of these accounts in the New Testament, they, the people don't discount them and say that that never happened. They're, they they just may discount it in the sense that say that didn't have nothing to do with Jesus. That was just a freak of nature or something like that. OK. All right. But they didn't. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. So we want to conclude uh, when it comes to the first test, when it comes to the first test, which is the internal test, that the Bible passes the internal test. We have record account of people who were there. People who have firsthand experience. They saw this with their own eyes. They even participated in some of these things that went on when it comes to the life of Jesus, the New Testament and so forth. So it passes the the Bible passes the internal test. Number one. So second part of this test, the bibliographical, bibliographical test is called the external test. All right. The external test, it asks the question, what does the outside evidence say about the Bible? 
So we do an internal test and then we do an external test. The external test is what does outside, what, what type of outside evidence do we have that the Bible is actually true? Okay, in other words, what, what are some non-biblical sources? Let's get away from all these Christian folks. Let's look at other sources. What do other sources say about the Bible? Okay, <clears throat> do they confirm the biblical stories or do they say that they, they really weren't true? This, this stuff didn't happen, this stuff is not true. Well, first off, we know that beyond a shadow of a doubt that, the historic, that historically the reality of Jesus has well been established, okay? We, we already know that, so let's, let's not even make an argument into that, okay? Just about every religion confirms Jesus Christ. You look at all the religions on the earth, just about every single one of them confirms Jesus as being a real person, okay? In fact, all sorts of non-biblical writings have confirmed Jesus as being a real person, non-biblical ones, okay? Roman writers, Greek writers, Jewish writers, Muslim writers all confirm the life of Jesus Christ. Not only that, a first century historian, his name was Josephus, he wrote about Jesus Christ, he wrote about John the Baptist, he wrote about James, and he wrote about many other ones in, in, in the New Testament. These are non-biblical writings that Josephus, Josephus was writing about, okay? Okay, so now let's talk about archaeology. We're looking at some some outside. So we have some non-biblical uh, sources, some non-biblical writings, some non-biblical books that confirm the lives of Jesus Christ and others in the New Testament. So let's look at archaeology. OK, this is something that people have used for so many years to try to prove or disprove the reality of the Bible. All right. It's archaeology. That's how they prove that dinosaurs existed. They how they do. They dig them up. Archaeology. They just digging up stuff in the ground and try to find some evidence of proof of, of this or that, all right? Uh, dinosaurs, they say dinosaurs are real. Why? Because they found bones, okay? They, uh, uh, historical cities are real because uh, uh, historical civilizations. I remember I went to uh, um, Honduras and I went to um, um, uh, El Salvador. I went to Honduras and El Salvador and I went to some of the Mayan temples there where uh, uh, cities had old, old cities from ancient years ago since before Christ. Since before Jesus was born, these cities were there showing that real civilizations. I've gone to some of these before. I've seen them. I've walked on them, with, touched them, took pictures with them with my own eyes. They real. So here's the deal. There are so many different things when it comes to archaeology that either proves or disproves certain things that we look at in our world. Truthfully, for years, the Bible critics discredit the Bible. Because they say, can you turn it down a little bit, Marguerite? They say that archaeology, uh, uh, um, archaeology, I can't even say this word. I'd be, I'd be stuttering on words. Archaeological discoveries did not support enough of scripture. And in a lot of cases, they were right. So when it comes to archaeology and discoveries that they found, they dug up and stuff like that. They're saying that there, there hasn't been anything to really definitive, definitively confirm certain things in the Bible, certain scriptures in the Bible. In other words, they haven't found anything that's, physical, that's a physical evidence that Daniel was actually locked up in the lion's den and they didn't eat him. We ain't found nothing that says that that's true. Oh, we know it's just something that somebody wrote. We haven't found the, the, the actual ark. We, 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 we found some stuff that we thought was the ark or whatever, the actual ark 
you know, that Moses, that Noah was in. We haven't found it. We haven't found Moses actual staff. You know what I mean? So there's things about about they haven't actually found them. So therefore, they can they cannot say that this is actually true because we found an archaeology archaeological uh, uh, discovery. But everybody say but, but, but all right. But in the 20th century, in the 20th century, with all sorts of archaeological finds, uh, a lot of claims to discredit the Bible have all been or have been reversed. A lot of them have been reversed. In other words, when people say because of archaeological uh, uh, things that they've been looking for, but they haven't found anything, they are constantly finding things to say, Whoa, wait a minute. We better back up, y'all, because here is something here that just might say that this is true. All right. So they had to reverse and say, we cannot say that it's not true, but we haven't confirmed yet that it is true. Does that make sense to you guys? So with a lot of discoveries, they have reversed the discrediting of the Bible in existence because of archaeological archaeological finds. All right. So here's the truth. Here's the absolute truth when it comes to external testing, when it comes to archaeological finds. While we cannot accurately say that archaeology completely proves the accuracy of the Bible, it is fair to say that archaeological, archaeological evidence has provided external confirmations for hundreds of Bible statements or Bible scriptures. Over and over, archaeological discoveries have confirmed the truth about what scripture says. Y'all hear me? About what scripture says. That's, that's important, all right? Several of King Herod's dwelling places have been discovered. King Herod, the one who was trying to kill Jesus when he was born, all right? When he sent, he sent the three shepherds, he said, go look for that baby. And when you find him, let me know, all right? The shepherds found out that he got, they got word that, 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 that King Herod was trying to kill a baby. So they didn't tell, they didn't go back and tell the king, all right? King Herod was trying to kill a baby. He was trying to, he killed a whole bunch of babies because he was trying to kill that one that was prophesied that said that was coming to take his throne. Several, there, there's been a couple of dwelling places of King Herod that have been discovered. So it's been proven true. This dude did exist. This is, these are his dwelling places, all right? Here's another one. There is an Egyptian uh, monument uh, 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 with pharaohs, with different pharaohs' names that are inscribed on this monument that's been discovered, all right? Several of the pharaohs that are mentioned in the Bible are inscribed on this monument, all right? Several of them are on this monument. Here's another thing that's been discovered, archaeological discoveries, all right? The unearthing of an unknown Egyptian city. Y'all can go look this stuff up for yourself. Y'all find that what I'm telling y'all is real, all right? The unearthing of an Egyptian city along the river, along the west bank of the Nile River uh, has been discovered, all right? This, this city has been discovered. It's near the city of Luxor. So you go to, Luxor, uh, go to Egypt, look up Luxor, look up the uh, unknown Egyptian city, all right? There's been a, an Egyptian city along the West Bank of the Nile River that's been discovered. And the size of this thing, check this out. The size of this thing is proving and showing that it's one, it was one of the largest cities that Egypt has ever had. This is real stuff, man, that's been discovered. And guess what? Here's the thing. <laughs> this thing dates back during the time of the Exodus. Dates back during the time of the days of Moses. 
It's along the west bank of the Nile River, one of the largest cities that Egypt has ever seen or ever had before. And it dates back to the days of Moses during the Exodus. Okay, this is real stuff, all right? Okay, there's been also, uh, 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 there was a crucifixion foot. You know, they're constantly digging up bodies and graves and stuff like that. And they're talking about crucifixion, hanging people on a cross and nailing, you know, on a tree or whatever, and nailing through their hands and nailing through their feet and stuff. There's, there was a body that was found, a, a foot that was found on a body, and it had a nail hole, a nail in the foot. So that's been proven that, hey, they did do this to people. They did sacrifice people and nail them to a tree or whatever. All right. Mm -hmm. And here's another here's another thing. A cave near the Dead Sea. They are continuing to find all sorts of things in this in this cave and in this particular area along the Dead Sea. One of the things that they were found, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get a little bit deeper into this thing uh, uh, later on to the lesson, but I'm not going to get too deep into it right now. But they, it's called the Dead Scrolls, the unknown, uh, uh, the Dead Scrolls or the Scrolls of the Dead Sea or the Dead Sea Scrolls. All right. Uh, they were found in a cave. And um, these things are the oldest uh, known writings of the Bible. The oldest known writings of the Bible that has been discovered so far. They're called the Dead Sea Scrolls. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. All right. So archaeology, they're, they're, these are just a few archaeology, archaeological discoveries. The former president of the Jewish Theology Seminary, called, uh, his name was uh, Nelson Gluck, he says this. He said, it may be stated categorically that no archaeological discovery has ever controverted the Bible, any Bible references, meaning that controverted means this, not true. He said, while we have all these archaeological discoveries and everything that's going on and people try to say that this didn't happen, this, that this wasn't true, this wasn't true. He said, there has not yet been one that has been discovered to say that the Bible is not true. In fact, all of them that have been discovered have proven to say that we can no longer say that the Bible is not true, that we have to have openness to say that this is true y'all got me follow me on this all right so until then the bible continues to pass the external test all right looking at my time i'm gonna try to wrap up real fast i may not get through this entire lesson but i'm gonna try okay the the, the, the so it's the third the third part of the bibliography bibliographical test all right the bibliography test all right is this <clears throat> it is uh, um, uh, the bibliographical test. Now, so now we're going to look at the bibliographic test. In other words, this is the last test, the third part of the test, all right? This test seeks to find out how well the original documents have been translated today. This is where most people today have a problem. This is where most, pe most people get slip, uh, get you know slip up. This is where most people's reliability of the Bible begins to falter. OK, and that is how well it's actually been translated. How well will the original manuscripts today match up to the translations or the original trans or the original manuscripts match up to what we have today? All right. So let's go back to the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Dead Sea, Dead sea Scrolls that I was telling you about, they were found in 1947. This is true stuff, guys. Y'all can go look it up for yourself. 
It was found in 1947. These are the oldest known writings of the Bible. Oldest known that, that's physically been discovered of the Bible, 1947. This is what happened. There was a shepherd. He was in a cave. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not getting ahead of myself. Okay. All right. Okay. Let me come back to that. I'm going to come back to that. So the, old, the Dead Sea Scrolls, oldest known actual writings of the Bible discovered in 1947. There has been many other scripts that's discovered in this. So they, they found, I believe it was like four or five. They found like four or five scrolls um, uh, uh, when it, in, in this cave. Uh, then they went back and they started discovering more. They found some more, right? But all of these have been segments of the Bible. They're not the full Bible that we have today, the 66 books of the Bible. They've been segments of the Bible, okay? And these scrolls are, I think most of these scrolls are, uh, are Old Testament scrolls, I believe. I'll come back to that anyway. Yes. The oldest, most complete Bible discovered, 66 books of the Bible. The oldest, most complete Bible discovered today and still exists today is an Ethiopian Bible that dates back to 494 AD, 494 years after the, the birth of Jesus Christ. There is a complete Bible, 66 books of the Bible that exists today. All right. And it was actually in a town in Africa. Uh, it was in Ethiopia. And it was this town, this, this town. I think there was in a war conflict or something like that. And this temple, this church temple that the Bible was in was actually burned and destroyed. This whole town was burned and destroyed. But this Bible survived the fire. It's, it's burned. The original, when you look at look it up and look at the pictures of it, it's got some burn marks on it and everything like that. And because of the damage, some of the pages are stuck together and, and what have you. I remember when our church, uh, Taylor's Chapel CME, when it was burned down years ago, uh, that we found some old Bibles uh, in the church that had been burnt and what, but they was, they was, you know, there's some of them, they're still intact, but they got burn damage to it. So this particular Ethiopian, Ethiopian Bible, 494 AD was burned in, in when the temple was burned down. It's the oldest complete Bible that we have today. All right. <clears throat> we know that over time, the Bible has been translated many times. We also know that from last week, we was looking at the history of the Bible. There are many attempts to suppress it and to keep it out, keep the actual truth from getting out. After Jesus went back to heaven, the Romans, they were attacking the Jewish people and they were trying to destroy their culture and they were trying to destroy their, their religious heritage. So the Jews, this is what happened. The Jews, they would take these scrolls, they would put them in clay bottles and they would hide them in caves. All right. Protected because they were trying to destroy their religion. So they were taking these Bibles, these scrolls that the Bible was written on, put them in these clay pots, clay jars, and they would hide them in the caves. All right. For 1800 years, these historical writings of the Bible, these scrolls of the Bible remain hidden. Nobody knew. Nobody had nothing for 1800 years. All right. Then, like I said, in 1947, a uh, Arab shepherd stumbled upon some bottles in a cave. This man was out here with his sheep out in the desert along the Arabian coast and he, he, he along the Dead, Dead, Dead Sea. And his one of his sheep had went up into this cave and he took a rock and he threw it into the cave trying to chase the chase the, the, the sheep out of the cave. Right. And he, when he threw it in there, he heard something crack like glass. Cling, something broke. Right. So he's like, man, what was that? So he go up in the cave and he finds clay pots in there. I think it was four scrolls at the time. They found four clay pots inside them were scrolls with original writings of the Bible. 
What kind of discovery? How in the world? You mean to tell me you this is the oldest known writings of the Bibles that we have, the Dead Sea Scrolls, right? So excavators, they went there, archaeologists went over there and they started digging up more stuff. They, they done dug up all kind of stuff from over there. I think they have dug up a total of 11 scrolls, I believe it was, over in this area. All right. But check this out. Check this out, guys. When they compared the Dead Sea Scrolls to the um, uh, Masoretic text, the Masoretic text is this. They're the Hebrew and the Aramic Bible. OK, the Hebrew and the Aramic Bible. Where did the Aramic Bible come from? It originally came. Well, uh, uh, the Quran was written from the Aramic Bible. OK, so you have the Hebrews. And you got the Aramaic text. All right. The Greek didn't come along. The Greek writing didn't come along until after Jesus died. OK, because the Roman Empire was in charge during that time. So all the writings were in Greek then. But before the New Testament, before Jesus Christ, it was written in Hebrew and Aramaic. All right. You got the, 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 the Jews and who? The Muslims, the Jews and the Muslims. All right. Check it out. When they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, they, they compared them to the, uh, the they called a Masoretic text. It's the com combination of the Hebrew and the Aramaic Bible. And the accuracy was the same. It was the same. The oldest these Dead Sea Scrolls was the same. It continues any every time they find something, guys, and they compare it and they compare all this stuff. It all the accuracy continues to be the same. The consistency continues to be the same all throughout history. All right. So let's talk about the accurate Bible copies that we have here today. So, so to do this, we're going to compare the Bible with other historical writers. I'm trying to move fast, guys. I know I, I don't know about y'all, but this stuff is interesting to me. You <laughs> might have heard of some of these non-biblical, non-biblical writings and books and some people who, who, who wrote these books. There was this book called Odyssey and uh, also called The Laid by Home by this guy named Homer. All right. The Odyssey and the Laid. The Odyssey and the Laid, they were they, they are one of the most, probably the most accepted non-biblical historical writings in the history of mankind. In all the history of mankind, man existence, these two books, the Odyssey and the Laid, are the most accepted books of non-biblical history, historical books in all of history. They were written between the 8th century and the 7th century before Christ. Okay, so 8,000 years, is it 8,000 years? Yeah, 8,000 years and 7,000 years before Christ was born, these books were written. It is historically uh, uh, it's, it's a historical writing about the Trojan War. So you go back and you look at ancient Greece and what have you. It's historical writings about the the ancient about the, about the Trojan War. Okay, there are less than a thousand manuscripts that exist today. I think there's like three hundred manuscripts of the of the uh, the Odyssey and about six hundred or so manuscripts of the the Laid. All right, that are actually that 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 exist today. Uh, so less than a thousand of the two, the, these two books combined exist today. But these books are considered to be the most historical books, uh, 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 historical writings today. All right, let's move on. Plato, many of you guys have heard of Plato, right? Plato has a writing that's called Plato's Republic. Replato, Plato's Republic is his most famous writing. Plato was a philosopher back during the, the, the ancient, ancient Roman Empire, ancient Greece, all right? He wrote this around, he wrote this uh, Plato's Republic around 375 BC, 375 years before Christ was born, right? He wrote these. Again, Plato's Republic is one of those things that's used and accepted today. It's a writing about justice, 
All right. His writing, Plato's Republic, is used in most uh, justice systems around the world today as like the template of, of determining justice. It's about the just man and the unjust man. All right. A lot of justice systems are based off of this man's writing, Plato's Republic, 375 years before Christ was even born. All right. There are about 275 copies of this that exist today. All right. 275 copies. Aristotle. You ever heard of Aristotle? I'm, I'm getting I'm getting some history on y'all guys today. Aristotle from the ancient what? Greece, ancient Greece times again. All right. Aristotle, he was a student of Plato. They both lived during the same time. Aristotle was his was Plato's student. About five manuscripts of his writings exist today. About five of them exist today. Okay, Julius Caesar. You guys ever heard of Julius Caesar? All right, there are about nine manuscripts that account for his existence. There are about nine manuscripts today that account for his existence that says, okay, Julius Caesar, this is who he was. He was real. Everything else was just translated copies that people wrote and everything like that. But about nine manuscripts said he, that, that he was a real man or whatever, okay, that he was existing. So all of these non-biblical historical uh, people and their writings have been accepted as true. Are there any one of these people that I just men mentioned that you say wasn't true? Julius Caesar, Aristotle, uh, Plato, uh, uh, Homer, his writings, they all been proven to be true people. All of these people lived before Jesus Christ, before Jesus Christ. All right. Check this out. Julius Caesar died only 56 years before Jesus was born. Julius Caesar died 56 years before Jesus Christ was born. And nobody says that, Jesus, that Julius Caesar was not real. Nobody does. Nobody says that Plato, Plato was what, three, four hundred, four hundred, three hundred some years before Jesus. Nobody said that he wasn't real. Okay, so virtually no one disputes the existence of none of these men. No one really disputes their writings. Everybody except them is true. Civilizations have been built off of the writings of these men. Full civilization, even the United States of America. All right? Not one of them has a complete original manuscript of their writings that exist today. Not one of them. Only a couple of them got some pieces. Most of their writings are recordings. Uh, most of their writings and their recordings are from the accounts of other people. The Dead Sea Scrolls date back to the third century BC, third, three, 3,000 years before Christ. The Dead Sea Scrolls, they date, they say between the third and the first century BC. So between 3,000 and 1,000 years before Jesus Christ was born, the Dead Sea Scrolls date back that far. This was before Julius Caesar. <clears throat> okay? This is this is before Plato. This is before Aristotle. Y'all following me? Y'all following me on here? But people want to say, oh, that Bible ain't true. But we got evidence that the Dead Sea Scrolls outdate them. When you compare that against any other historical writings, the Bible without question passes the bibliographic text, test, test. So that means all through this whole test, internal test, external test, the bibliographic test, it passes all of them to be true. The Bible is true. One thing that amazes me about the Old Testament is how prophecy has predicted what will happen in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. 
it, 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 when you look at the old so the old testament those scrolls some some of the things that's on those scrolls and the writings everything every time they compared you know throughout time com compare scriptures and stuff the accuracy also continues to show the same continues to be the same it's dated all the way back it's it's the oldest it's older than plato stuff older than aristotle stuff older than than homer stuff older than older than julius caesar stuff and it's still proven it's it's consistent man i'm telling you At the old testament prophecies have proven itself to come true it's, it's been like dang man this stuff really did happen man the uh, uh isaiah prophecies isaiah micah jeremiah hosea they all prophesied about the, the coming of jesus christ and according to first-hand accounts from people like matthew mark luke john peter and paul jesus was a real person in our history almost every religion in the world confirmed jesus was a real person the old testament this stuff was prophesied thousands of years before jesus was even born and okay nobody really refute it when it comes to the church i believe that there's one thing that could potentially make the most impact in bringing about real change in people's life. I'm gonna say that statement one more time. This is what I'm closing on, guys. When it comes to the church, I believe that there is one thing that could potentially make the most impact in bringing about real change in people's lives. And that one thing is studying God's word, Amen. studying Amen. his word. You want to bring about real change in your life. You want to bring about real change in the lives of people in your, in your family and your community. Study the Bible. Amen. study it it changed my life i promise you if there was one thing that really had an impact on changing my life it was getting that bible and reading and studying it for myself second timothy chapter 3 verse 17 god uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work god can't prepare you to do and equip you to do good works if you're not reading and studying the bible Amen. Second Timothy chapter two and verse 15 says this. It says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, able to rightly divide the word of truth. Do, do what now? Say that again. Study to show yourself approved unto God. If you want God's approval, one of the best things that you can do is do what? Study. Amen. Amen. Study. If you want God's approval, study. Well, okay. A workman that has no need to be ashamed. How does studying prevent you from being ashamed? Because you have the ability to be able to rightly divide the truth, the word of truth, divided from what? The lies that are out there. <laughs> you, 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 when, when you're not able to rightly divide the truth from the lies, it puts you in a place of of, of, of shame some people shame larger some people shame smaller it just all depends on your personality your makeup but uh, uh, uh there's a bit of shame there because you cannot say definitively that yeah. this is what you believe to be 100 true but when you study and you know it man you can speak up with confidence total confidence total confidence and guess what when you speak up you speak up because you know it because it's so deep in you 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 got this thing you speak it in a way that it becomes convincing to other people and other people believe you because you believe yourself other people will believe you so the answer to the question is the bible reliable or not it passes all the tests with flying colors compared to other historical writings it's it's just as reliable or in some cases it's even more reliable than other historical writings truth is this you'll never know how reliable it is 
until you study it to be able to rightly divide the truth from the lies. Amen. If this message was a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry in a financial way, you can donate electronically by texting to 84321 and enter the dollar amount you'd like to donate in the message area. Or you can mail a check or money order to Crosstown Church of Memphis, P.O. Box 40981, Memphis, Tennessee, 38104. We invite you to visit our website at www.wearecrosstown.com for more information about our church. Join us for our next broadcast next Sunday at 10 a.m. Be blessed and be better.